Welcome or welcome back to Ink Spill, a podcast where hosts Abby Rubish and Avani Rye take turns inviting community staff to spill the tea on all things NCHS. In November's midterms, Gen Z voters were instrumental in breaking historic election patterns with 27% of 18 to 29 year olds coming out to vote, the second highest rate in that age range since the 90s. Also historic, 25-year-old Democrat Maxwell Frost will be the first member of Gen Z to serve in Congress. During the next presidential election in 2024, nearly half of communities' current student population will be eligible to vote and contribute to these headline-making outcomes, shaping the future of our country for decades to come. I'm Abby Rubish, and today I'm asking Mr. Pat Lawler, 17-year community social studies teacher and 2021 Bloomington City Council nominee, to spill on the importance of political involvement among high schoolers. So how are you doing today, Mr. Lawler? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm really uh, excited to be here. Okay, so first of all, why did you decide to become a teacher in the first place? So, uh, interesting story. I started out in college as a molecular biology major um, because my dad was a doctor. My brother had a major in um, um, chemistry, so I felt I had to go in that direction. It wasn't working out. And my girlfriend at the time was an elementary education major. So I thought, hey, maybe if I changed an education major, it'll help my chances with her. And it did. We've <laughs> yeah. been married uh, for a long time now. What, 15, 16 years? We've got two kids. So solid, solid change. Yeah. Um, and why teach social studies in particular? So at the time, like, I just really enjoyed the high school social studies classes I had had. It opened my eyes about how the world works and kind of what's going on. And then I got to college and a lot of the classes I took in college really forced me to consider the perspectives of other people. Like I grew up in O'Fallon, um, which is a predominantly kind of white middle upper class community. I just didn't have a realization of what, how other people lived in the world and different cultures and different. And so I got to, to college and it, it really opened my eyes and kind of changed the way I approach things. Um, so now you've been here at Community 17 years. Um, and so what in your time here, what clubs and organizations have you had the chance to sponsor? Yeah. So the the main thing I've got is a socialist club, which kind of like how I like understanding different cultures and whatnot. It's kind of the central focus of social studies club where we've gone to local mosques. We've gone to synagogues. Um, we've at one point uh, uh, joined up with um uh, another club, and we did a trip up to Chicago to Boys Town just to learn about LGBTQIA history. And it's all about just making sure that you encounter as many different cultures and groups of people and, and kind of ways of living to like broaden students' horizons. Um, I also have sponsored the uh, the Peace and Justice Club at different times, which are students who um, want to get more actively involved in the community on different issues, just advocating for more inclusive policies um, here in the school and in the community and in the state. And so that's been really cool as well. Yeah. Um, and so what impact have you seen clubs like the social studies club or that peace and justice club have on the students involved in them? So um, for the students involved in those clubs, especially like the, the peace and justice club, for instance, like when the state of Illinois, we didn't have a budget for over a year. And so there were some students who wanted to do a lot of research in it, go down to Springfield and and advocate on why it was important to pass a budget and an equitable budget because of the effect that the lack of a budget was having on marginalized peoples in, in the state of Illinois. And so watching them do that research, meet with the superintendent and then go down to Springfield 
and actually have a state senator. So it was state Senator Biss who invited us and he read part of their letter on the floor of the state Senate. The sense of empowerment that those students gained from that to realize like, yeah, there's stuff we can do in terms of advocacy and like organizing one another and trying to create a, a more just and fair society. I think a lot of times when you're young, you see your parents and you see other adults kind of handling things all of the time and you can't yet vote. So it's easy to feel like there's no point in trying to change things. There's no point in trying to get involved, but just the act of doing something, even if it's not successful can really be empowering and then lead to you continuing to be more involved um, in your community at school, as you get older, as you go to college. And so like for me, that's what I think is awesome seeing people down the road who maybe they're running for office or maybe they started a nonprofit and they've taken some of those lessons they got from that initial empowerment in high school. And now they're just like, they're doing things, they're changing things. And that's awesome. For sure. And I mean, you talked a little bit about how, you know, the value in the experience isn't necessarily if you're successful or not, but really kind of gaining that experience just in attempting to make a change. And you have had um, on some occasions, some success in making a change. You've talked a little bit before about how in your hometown of O'Fallon, um, you kind of campaigned to remove this town council member who, you know, protested some inclusive book readings, was blatantly discrimin discriminatory towards various minorities in the school system. So could you tell me a little bit about this protesting process and how the community yeah. kind of responded to that? So um, I'm from O'Fallon, Illinois, and this was like in 2016, um, some of my friends from O'Fallon uh, on Facebook, they had shared an article where I guess in O'Fallon, there was a school board member, his name was Steve Springer, who um, he had gone to uh, a city council meeting at, during public comment to complain about an event at the library where they were doing a reading of a book um, that was about black history, where it was a, a young, um, a young black girl who's uh older grandfather was just telling her about famous people of color who had like achieved really amazing things. And so he thought that that was a problematic book to be reading at the library, that it didn't represent the community. And, and I saw that and I thought like, what do you mean that doesn't represent the community? Like all people have a right to have themselves represented in um, public events and, and in the educational system. And it scared me that he was a school board member. So I had never really organized people before, but I created a Facebook event. Um, and I was like, let's invite people from O'Fallon. Let's go to different Metro East Facebook groups and let people know about this. And within four or five days, it was up over like a hundred or 150 people. I've been contacted by one of the other school board members to thank me for that and organize with me. And then the, um, uh, the head of the union down there for district 90 contacted me. And so I was working with all of these different entities and I was like, I'm not an organizer. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I realized that like I was going through the same process that my students do when you, when I would encourage them to get out of their comfort zone, to try different things, to push for different things, you learn a lot of lessons. Um, and so we went to the the school board meeting um, and it turned out that a couple of the other people got involved that they had FOIA'd that Freedom of Information Act, uh, requested some emails from that school board member. And it turned out he had also made disparaging remarks of um, Islamic students in the district as well uh, and um, transgender students. And so at that point, it's like, this guy's got to go. 
And so I reached out to all the news outlets. I continued to organize every school board meeting. He didn't step down, but once again, even in failure, like there's successes, um, people in that community who were Muslim, who were part of the LGBTQIA community, like they reached out to, to me and to other people to say like, Hey, thanks for having our back. Thanks for making us feel like we're a part of this community. And the way I kind of think about it is when you do something, you kind of have to go into it with the mindset that this on its face might not be successful at getting the policy change that you want to see, but you're, you're, you're making a spark, you're lighting a fire. Sure. And then other people can light fires based on that spark, you know, and you're encouraging other people to do things. And it's, it's like Bobby, uh, Bobby Kennedy said, I think it was his speech in South Africa. Uh, when he was talking about apartheid and he talked about like, if you have a, a massive wall, individual ripples, no individual little ripple of water is going to take that wall down. But when all of those ripples come together and they all join together, they can make a wave with the power to knock down any wall of oppression that's out there. Yeah, that's a great answer. And so um, beyond kind of helping to change your hometown community in O'Fallon, you've strived to help make a mark on this community when you ran for Bloomington City Council in 2021. And so what kind of motivated you to run? Yeah, so I mean, um, I, like I never thought I would run for office, especially after the thing I did down in O'Fallon. I kind of liked pushing for change outside of the system. Yeah. But I had just seen like so many students that were struggling with housing issues or issues related to poverty. And as a teacher, you see all sort of unmet mental health needs here in the community For sure. at the time, especially just inpatient care for students who might need, you know, um, a place to stay for a couple of days to receive more intensive care. And so many of them were having to go to Champaign or to Peoria. And it's just like, man, we, we need to change this. And so I decided like, I, I decided I, I would try to run for city council. And I realized that city council has some control over those things. And so I threw my hat in the ring, not really knowing what I was getting into, but once again, that's part of the system in which we live. Like we live in a system where there's so many barriers, there's so many obstacles to getting involved. It almost discourages regular people without a lot of financial means or without a lot of connections from getting in to begin with. And it felt good to like, be like, no, like I'm going to do this. Like we're going to get in here. I don't know exactly what I'm getting into yet, but I'm going to figure it out. You shouldn't need a doctor's degree or doctorate to run for city council. Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately, yeah, I, I did lose, but I learned a lot in the, in the, in the process. We brought, we shed a lot of light on a lot of different issues from housing, um, to mental health issues, to, uh, policing. And it was cool because like, I felt like it really drew a lot of other people in the community who normally don't get involved with politics that were finally hearing issues they cared about to get involved, to like, to knock on doors or to like make some calls. And so that was kind of cool. Like that feeling like, Hey, we're helping to, you know, build something positive in the community. Yeah. Um, and so in 2021, most students here at Community were too young to have voted for you, obviously. Um, but how can students under the legal voting age still make their voices heard despite some of those yeah. obstacles you've talked about? Yeah. And I'd say first off, like I like I definitely never pushed for any students to vote for me either. Right. I, I definitely separated like running for city council from my job here at the at the school. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, of people wanting to get their voice heard, 
Um, and, and that's something that's been coming up a lot lately, like especially a, a number of students that have expressed concern about standards-based grading, for instance. You know, like there's things those students can do, like they can go to school board meetings, they can try to organize other students and other parents um, to have their voices heard. Because I think so often people have an issue or they have a concern that they want to see changed. There's hundreds of other people in this building that probably have those same concerns, regardless of political affiliation, regardless of background, but we all tend to feel alone and isolated. And so trying to work to bring people together with similar concerns and then bringing those concerns to the school board. So they have to listen like anybody can, can, can get involved and start doing that and trying to enact that change. There's definitely been a shift in recent years um, in regards to youth social awareness and some of the involvement in politics. And so what shift have you seen? Um, I've seen a lot of a shift since really probably since about 2015, 2016, um, when really a lot of students started caring a lot more about politics. They started wanting to get involved. And just since then, I think a lot of the issues that have come to the forefront are issues that are just important to students. So like you mentioned, um, um, uh, Maxwell Frost, who got elected, um, Gen Z yeah. from, I think it's Florida, isn't it? Yes. And just the other day, like I saw him um, commenting on how he was trying to find an apartment in DC and he had, his credit was too bad and he couldn't get an apartment. And so like the, the, the issues with our economy, with like the systems of inequity that we have in this country are affecting Gen Z people and, and, and young Gen Z folks more than just about anyone. And so y'all are starting to see the way that this is going to affect you in your adulthood and it's making y'all want to get involved. And so to make those changes. And so between like some of those housing issues, like he's dealing with or um, the, the Dobbs decision and, and regardless of where people fall on the issue of abortion, that seems to be a very, motivating issue where people feel strongly. And so they want to get involved to make sure that their voices are heard um, and that they have a say in things because it will directly impact a very large number of people's lives. Definitely. Um, and issues with, with, with policing the same thing. And so I just think, and with COVID, I mean, I mean, you can go on and on and on about issues that have directly and continue to directly impact young people in this country. And I think it's a change that like has really made me feel good as a teacher I feel like the future's in good hands because y'all don't agree, but you're able to work together, hear each other, see each other in a way that I think a lot of adults can't. Yeah. And so you see adults bickering at each other, whereas you guys are able to find those commonalities and more kind of push for things that you want to change. Sorry. I just rambled for a very long time. No, that was great. Um, and so while there definitely has been some of that increased unity, there are still, as there probably always will be, people who say things like, I don't care about politics. That's kind of a frequently uttered phrase. And so why would you say that these students should still care about political issues? I mean, you know, like I people might say they don't care about politics and, and they might not care about following directly what's happening with the school boards or town councils or state legislatures. Um, but if you ask them about specific issues or about specific things that are affecting them, they have very strong opinions. And so on the one hand, people say they don't follow politics, but on the other hand, they care about issues. And I would, I would say to those individuals, like you really need to get out of that 
it, it's hard to get out of that mindset that we have when we talk about politics in this country, where every major news outlet, whether it's Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, it's almost covered like a sport. You know, it's like, who's winning, who's losing? Like, oh, we don't actually talk about policies. And that's what people care about. Mm -hmm. So I would say to those people, don't focus on that coverage. Don't listen to those people that are just blathering on like it's some sort of horse race or it's the Super Bowl. Sure. Think about the issues that are important to you and then look stuff up on those issues. And what are the, like, what are the current policies in your community or in your state or in the nation? And get active on those policies that you care about. Yeah. Um, and so why do you feel it's important to provide students with opportunities for political involvement at school? I, I think it's important. And I, I don't think teachers should ever push for students to advocate on this issue or that issue. Absolutely. The, the approach I've got is if there's a kid who wants to get involved with politics or activism, I will let students on whatever side of the political aisle kind of organize you know, ha have a space in my classroom. They can meet after school. And if people want to plan something, then they can ask me in terms of sig logistical suggestions or like considering possible things they haven't, but I'm not gonna, you know, push something one way or another on, on students. And so like in the past, usually the things students want to organize on aren't even political. Yeah. I mean, it's, we had students organize a walkout of the park testing um, you know, a couple of years back, mm -hmm. um, we've had students organize on, on a number of different issues and, you know, they, they need a space to, to do that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to the next presidential election, which is, you know, the next thing that kind of really impacts a lot of the school decisions, a lot of what we've seen. Um, just in regards to school with the midterms, why should students start thinking about 2024 now in 2022? Um, I mean, I, I'll get to, I'll get to that in a sec, but I would say it's even important to start focusing like right now. I mean, we just got through the midterms, but local elections are coming up in um, April of 2023. And that's, there's going to be a number of city council positions. There's going to be a number of, um, school board positions that will have a direct impact, you know, on our school district. Like yeah. we just had a referendum that didn't pass that could have direct impacts on like budgets here at the school. So like, I would say start getting involved even earlier um, if possible, but presidential elections are, are important. Um, you know, like presidents can set pretty significant policies um, and, and I mean, we've seen that the shift that kind of happened on a number of things in in 2016 and then things that got affected in 2020 when Biden was elected. And by the time the 2024 election happens, most of y'all that are juniors and seniors right now, you're going to be getting ready to get out into the world if you haven't already. I mean, there's a lot of people who go straight into the workforce or apprenticeships after they graduate, but even if you're in college, you're going to be out there within a year or two. And so a lot of things that maybe aren't affecting you right now are going to be affecting you in a way that you, you don't, you, it's hard to see right now as you're in high school, just figuring out about your postgraduate plans. But as you get out of here, it'll become clearer and clearer to you just how important those things are. Yeah. And in those elections, how would you recommend students learn who to support, learn what candidate is going to be advocating for issues in their best interest? Yeah. I mean, I think once again, I would say, 
I would start, I mean, as you, if you look consider starting with candidates or issues, I would encourage every young person to start with issues and just maybe even come up with a list of issues that are important to you and then figure out and think about and do some research as to exactly what your positions are on those issues and why, and then start looking for candidates that kind of fit closer to that. I think once again, too often in our country, we see politics as like a sport. It's like, I'm either team red or I'm team blue, but like a lot of people's issues might kind of span the gap a little bit where like maybe someone's a little bit more fiscally conservative, but a little bit more socially liberal. And it's really hard to peg people down. And so I think it's a little less disheartening to start focusing on issues because candidates and people are all imperfect vesicles for those policies. So, Um, and so now that you've been here at normal community for 17 years, trying to impart some of this wisdom on your students, what memories would you say stand out to you from your time here? Um, Oh my gosh, that's a good question. What memories stand out to me? Well, in, in terms of like just some scenes, students uh, stand up and try to make their voices heard when they've been interviewed on WGLT or some of the other news outlets about the positions and the things that they have done. It really impresses me because it takes a lot to be able to get out there or speaking at different events or rallies. It it takes a lot to put yourself out there. And so seeing students get out of their comfort zones um, for whatever reason and whatever issue always kind of heartens me a little bit because um, it's, it's just cool to see. Um, That's all that I have. So thank you so much for being our fourth guest. Yeah. Thanks for having me.